You are listening to Haftarah, the sheer series where we typically explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. However, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week is Rosh Hashanah. And at the moment of this recording, Shabbos coincides with the first day of Rosh Hashanah, which means that we will not be reading a regular Parsha Shavua, and that means that we will not be reading a regular Haftarah. We will have two special Haftarahs for the two days of Rosh Hashanah, and those Haftarahs, of course, we will see in various ways corresponds to the special Kriya Torah that we read during Rosh Hashanah, discussions in their own right. And what my intention is to do is to have two Haftarah Shiurim for this week for Rosh Hashanah, one for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, one for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, though if the Shir that we're going to do right now on the first day of Rosh Hashanah goes quickly, there is a chance that maybe I will combine the two Shiurim. Though I'm not sure that I'm actually going to do that because what we have done up until this point is to have one shear per, per half Torah. So we'll probably keep it that way, but um, I'm going to leave my options open as this shear devolves. Um, and one thing that I'll also mention is that last week, obviously, when we recorded the half Torah shear for Parshas Nitzavim, um, where last Shabbos was Nitzavim Vayelach, I had misspoken when I said that this week we'd be covering the Haftaros for Parshas Hazinu and Shabbos Shuva. Um, it completely slipped my mind that there were two Haftaros for, for Rosh Hashanah that have to be discussed first. So we're going to get to those now um, after I dedicate this shir. So let's talk about the Haftarah for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, which comes to us from Sefer Shmuel Aleph, and it is the opening story in Sefer Shmuel Aleph. It is Parak Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, 1-1, going all the way till Parak Bez, Pasuk Yud, to 2-10. So 1-1, going all the way to 2-10. And this is the famous story, the origin story for the birth of Shmuel Hanavi, and of course, the story of Chana. Chana is the wife of Elkanah, a Levi, and um, Chana is one of the two wives of Elkanah, next to Penina, her co-wife, her rival wife, and Penina has children, while Chana is barren, very reminiscent of other similar uh, marriage arrangements in Tanakh, um, perhaps Leah and Rachel's marriages to Yaakov Avinu comes to mind, and perhaps that is also relevant and will be relevant when we consider the Haftarah for the second day, which has to do with Rachel Imenu, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, if, if not in this year, it's certainly in the next one. And, of course, Chana is barren, and the Navi um, in this Haftarah discusses um, the challenge, the, the, the trial and struggle of Chana. Um, and, of course, although Elkanah seems to love her very, very much, but he doesn't do much to make her feel better about her barrenness, and so she takes it to the Beis Hamikdash where she cries and davens to Hashem there. Elia Cohen in the Beis Hamikdash accuses her of perhaps some kind of inappropriate activity, maybe um, being uh, intoxicated in the, in the Mikdash, which, um, of course, we know from Nadan Aviyu, um, is, is not appropriate, or at least the Chazals that revolve around the story of Nadav and Avihu. Um, but, of course, he ends up giving her a bracha when he realizes that she is just crying for a child. The bracha, in fact, is that she will have a child. That child becomes Shmuel Hanavi. And um, what we also find is that the story does not just end with Hana giving birth to Shmuel, which, as we try to defend the Masora or try to defend the tradition for the explanation as to why the story is here, we will see that the the explanation cannot be complete until we explain why 
the beginning of Perak Beis is in this Haftarah, because we get not only the story of the birth of Shmuel Hanavi, we get the story, of course, of Shmuel Hanavi almost having his life threatened when he when he acts inappropriately by poskening against Eli HaKohen or in front of Eli HaKohen um, in the Mikdash when he came to slaughtering the Karbanos. And so uh, Hannah has to remind Eli HaKohen that Al-Hanar Hazai this is the child that I daven for, please don't um, do away with him, don't, 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 you know, don't kill him in any which way. And of course, Meshmuel um, Hanavi ends up being a protege under Eli HaKohen, um, under his tutelage, and then the, the Haftarah closes with the Tefillah of Chana, otherwise known as Tefillah Schana. Um, I mean, a very important, um, a very important piece, one of the ten Shiros in Tanakh, according to tradition, the, the ten special prophetic songs in Tanakh. And for some reason, this also makes its way into our Haftarah. So we have to try our best to explain why exactly that is. So let's just start with the basics. You know, what, what, what is this Haftarah doing? Um, or what is this piece of Navi doing in our Haftarah, in our liturgy for Rosh Hashanah? So the first place to look, um, usually, is the Art Scroll Machzer. The Art Scroll Machzer, um, right there, cites for us the Gemara in Megillah, Lamed Aleph, Amid Aleph, where we have the famous um, basic explanation for Chana's presence in our Rosh Hashanah liturgy, and that is that Chana was one of the women who was remembered on Rosh Hashanah. Right, the art scroll uh, Machser just points to the fact that this corresponds to the story of Leidas Yitzchak, right, the birth of Yitzchak, right, because we um, um, not to be mistaken with Akedas Yitzchak, which is the, for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. This is the story that parallels to Leidas Yitzchak, the birth of Yitzchak, to Sarah Imenu, whom Chazal tell us was also remembered on Rosh Hashanah. So we have Sarah being remembered, and of course Sarah is featured in the Kriya Satora, the laning for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, and we learn the story of the birth of Yitzchak. Now, we have to admit that that also requires a little bit more explanation in terms of our reading of that story, because the story includes so much more, right? The, the driving out of Ishmael, what does that have to do with the theme of Rosh Hashanah. So there are those who explain the concept of judging a person um, the way he is right now, right? Hashem looks at the person right now, not based on any mistakes he's going to make in the future. And even though um, the Malachim, the Malachi Asharis suggested that Yishmael should be wiped out um, during his innocence because of what would happen later, and Hashem says, no, I'm going to judge him the way he is right now. Right now he's a tzaddik, he's not a Russia, and so on and so forth. So Usually when you have something like that, so the explanation in and of itself is a good explanation. It's definitely a good lesson for Rosh Hashanah. Um, but I don't know if, if it truly um, explains the entirety of the Haftarah. If you're going to say that the Haftarah has multiple reasons, I guess that's possible. But maybe there is something more something more unifying about the general, um, the general Kriyasa Torah and the general Haftarah. Because again, we, um, just like with, uh, with, the, with the laning, we have to explain why are we reading the entire story of Yitzhak's birth with the inclusion of what happened a couple of years later when Yishmael gets driven out. So maybe we'll touch on a little bit of that during this year, but we have to do the same thing for the Haftarah. So if the whole point is just to say that Sarah was remembered and to say that Chana was remembered and tomorrow... Um, or not tomorrow, but in the next shear, which will probably be later tonight, um, we'll have to talk about that Rachel Imenu was also remembered on Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara names these three women, Sarah, um, Sarah, uh, Hannah, and Rachel, 
So, you know, we don't have a Kriyasa Torah for Rachel. We just, have, we just have the Haftarah that perhaps references that. We have two stories about Sarah Imenu. So we have to do the same thing for all these things and try to find the unifying theme um, about, um, you know, for, for, all, for all of these stories, for these lanings and for these, uh, for these Haftarahs as well. And um, it's, it's not enough to, to just, you know, throw out a connection Right. Yeah, we can we can throw out connections from today until tomorrow, but to, to find really the essential underlying unifying theme, and in order to fully identify that, we have to explain things such as the inclusion of tefillas chana. Tefillas chana is nice; it's a nice piece, but what is um, is it really um, is the story by itself lacking as a haftarah without the song of chana? Why do we need the song of chana here um, at all? Right. Um, does it really speak to? Um, you know what we what we're doing during the Yom Nirayim during Rosh Hashanah, so these are these are things that we have to address. So, so while we are considering all of the above, I want to actually turn our attention to another factor that I think is important that we find from Chazal, which is suggestive of the fact that it's not just a matter of coincidence, not just a matter of quote unquote a shout out. Um, that, that we are reading this particular Haftarah on Rosh Hashanah, but Chazal saw something very fundamentally connected between this story and Rosh Hashanah as the Gemara derives, the Gemara in Baruchus derives from the story of Chana so many different rules, not just about tefillah in general, right, from the way Chana davened in the Beis HaMikdash so that she can have a child, but um, the Gemara derives um, halachos about Rosh Hashanah from Tfilas Chana. Right, so, um, and this uh, takes us a little bit to that second parak that we were wondering about. Why is it that we have the Tfilas Chana featured in our Haftarah? But the Gemara learns from the amount of times, the number of times that she uses the Shem Hashem in her song, that's how we derive the number of brachos that we say in the special Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. And what's perhaps interesting to note is that um, again, the Gemara in Brachos derives many halachos about Shmona Esrei from the way Chana davened in the Beis HaMikdash before she had a child, and yet the main tefillah that is known as tefillah Chana is in fact not her tefillah of Bakasha, of request from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but it's actually the tefillah at the end of the story in Parak Beis, which is a it's a shavach and a hodah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what he has given. It almost makes you think about how we should respond when we get to Hashem and Rosh Hashanah. You know, we tend to prioritize Bakasha, asking Hashem for what, you know, our, our heart's desires and for, our, you know, just, just to have health for, for the coming year. But what about having a retrospective look at the year and say, wow, Hashem, you know, where I've come, thank you so much for remembering me this year and giving me the important things that I have. So that's exactly what we find in Tfilas Chana, that which is dubbed Tfilas Chana, the thank you Tfilah of Chana. And yet I think there is even more to discuss about this um, this Haftar and this theme. Because if we go back to the bigger picture of Haftaras and Kriyasatara during Rosh Hashanah, there is in fact one theme that ties all of them together. Namely, the Kriyasatara for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the Haftarah for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, and I will say for the Haftarah of the second day of Rosh Hashanah. And you know what? I'll even throw in there the Kriyas Haftarah for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. So let's just identify all of those things again. We have Leidas Yitzchak, the birth of Yitzchak. Yes, we said there's more to the story. We talk about Ishmael as well. And then, of course, there is Tfilas Chana 
and the story of Chana and Shmuel. And then we have tomorrow um, for the second day of Rosh Hashanah, right? That would that which would be tomorrow to the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we have the story of Akedas Yitzchak, followed by the Haftarah about Ephraim, um, really the the passage from Yirmiya about Rachel Imenu, um, who is Mavaka Albaneha, a very beautiful Haftarah which we will discuss, of course, in the next year. But again, if we go back to the Gemara Megillah that identifies what all of these people have in common, um, all of these stories have in common, is they are all stories of people who were, quote-unquote, remembered by Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. Now, of course, there's the story um, that of Yosef, um, whom Chazal also say was remembered on Rosh Hashanah, which we derive from um, the Shir Shalyom of Thursdays, a story which does not make it into uh, any of our Torah readings on Rosh Hashanah. But what these all have in common is they all have to do with childbirth, Sarah, Chana, and Rachel, respectively. Um, and of course, the Akedah, which even though it is not the birth of Yitzchak, but it is perhaps the maintaining of Yitzchak, which is important, um, and not just Yitzchak, but really the future of all of Klai Yisrael. And we don't need to elaborate to, um, you know, that, that much to know about the significance of the story of the Akedah on Rosh Hashanah, which according to many opinions happened on Rosh Hashanah. There are other opinions that it happened on Yom Kippur. But of course, more fundamentally, the connection to the shofar, right? Uh, the shofar, which is a reminder of um, perhaps more than one event, right? The shofar has, um, has reflections and echoes to Har Sinai, which is spoken about at length in the past on this podcast. Um, but of all, but of course, the reference to the 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 horn, the um, the ram horn from the Akeda, and these four readings together, the Kriyas Hatorah of both days and the Haftaras of both days, they all speak to the theme of Rosh Hashanah of Zikaron. Right? We know that Rosh Hashanah is referred to as the Yom Hazikaron. Um, it's not referred to that way in the Torah. In the Torah, it's called the Yom Trua. Maybe we have something close, the Yom Zichron Trua. It's a day of remembering a certain kind of tefillah, perhaps the shofar of Har Sinai, and maybe other shofaros like the Akedah, and perhaps the tefillos of many, many people. Right? If it's a zichron true, maybe we are remembering the tefillos of the likes of Sarah Imenu, the likes of Chana, and of course Rachel. And of course, there's the whole question of the remembering of merits as well. Right? The Hashem remembers the merit of the Akedah. Right? Rosh Hashanah is not just the zichron trua, but what, apparently we view Rosh Hashanah as a yom of zikaron in general. Where did Rosh Hashanah get that name from? So the Gemara in Erevin talks about the decision to refer in our liturgy to Rosh Hashanah as the yom hazikaron. It was some sort of compromise between Rosh Hashanah on the one hand and the fact that we do not mention Rosh Chodesh in our liturgy on Rosh Hashanah, when, uh, despite the fact that Rosh Hashanah technically is Rosh Chodesh as well. The Gemara says that we go with Yom HaZikaron, um, I guess to, on the one hand, feature a unique name for Rosh Hashanah, but to touch on a theme that is also relevant on Rosh Chodesh is that whenever we have the beginning of a month, and in this case the beginning of a year, each beginning is a time of Zikaron. It's a time where Hashem, as it were, so to speak, has a new remembrance. And of course, Hashem is constantly um, ever conscious of everything, but there seems to be a special concentration on this remembrance, on this memorial, on this zikaron on Rosh Hashanah, which makes Rosh Hashanah the day of, of remembering everything. And it is with this that I want to actually hone in on, on another question. 
So long as we are identifying the common theme of all of our Krios as Zikaron, that apparently this is the theme of Rosh Hashanah, and we have to qualify that, right? Because all of the uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, uh, the three major topics that we find in Musaf seem to suggest that there are three different themes on Rosh Hashanah, right? There's Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. And perhaps they're all interrelated somehow. We've given Shirim on the past, especially in Machzer Manager, in that series where we spoke about these three themes and why the day has three different themes if the themes are related somehow. But honing in on the theme of Zikaron, which is apparently the theme in our liturgy, that's what we call it in our davening. So... I think an important question to ask is, what does it mean that Hashem remembers? Right? Because again, we just argue that Hashem is ever conscious of everything, constantly and always. So what is different about Rosh Hashanah, the, you know, where there's apparently more somehow of Zikaron? That's one question. And another question is, how exactly are we supposed to feel about the fact that Hashem is what's referred to as Zohar Kol Hanishkachos? as we say in Unasanatokif, that he remembers everything that is otherwise forgotten. Right? Is, is, that some, is that something that is supposed to be encouraging? Because perhaps simultaneously that is something that should be frightening. Right? It's nice to feel remembered when people seem to have forgotten you, when you are barren, you don't have children, when you are Sarah, Rachel, or Hannah, and you want children. And then finally, the, 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 the Chumash or the Navi tells us that Hashem remembered, right? We have uh, the, um, um, the, the word Vaif code when it comes to Hashem remembering Sarah. And we have the, um, the Lashon of Vayiz Kor when it comes to Rachel. And of course, in our Haftarah that we're talking about now, we have Vayiz Kareha, Hashem, that Hashem remembered her, Hashem remembered Chana. And so we have the Lashon of Zechira. The Gemara compares Zechira and Pekida. They both mean remembering, but we have no synonyms in Tanakh, so what do they actually mean? And I believe it was the Malbim that said that, no, that, um, it might have been someone else, but I think it was the Malbim, maybe, maybe possibly the Barbanel. Um, but one of them said that um, Zechira is just Stam remembering, where you remember someone for no particular reason, whereas Pekida um, is uh, like a Mafkid, something which you are hanging on to as a deposit refers to something that Hashem has already kept in safekeeping. For example, a promise to Sarah Imenu. So that promise that he had kept, he's returning to that promise. Whereas Vayizkar, Zechira, is not necessarily tied to any particular promise. That aside, when we consider the positive end of Hashem remembering, what about the negative end of Hashem remembering? Because if Hashem can remember merits, if Hashem could remember people who don't even deserve it necessarily... So what about Hashem remembering all of our wrongdoings, all of our faults? Zohar kol that's supposed to be something that is not necessarily encouraging, but that's supposed to be a little bit frightening and to motivate us to, to be better and to do a real teshuva. Right? So what exactly is the theme? Or what exactly are we, is, is, the, is the concept of Yom HaZikron a neutral thing that could be both positive and negative? And I want to suggest that really it's, it, it is both at the same time. But... Going back to the question of why is Rosh Hashanah different in terms of the power of the day of Zikaron when we know that Hashem remembers everything all the time? And the answer, I believe, is that despite the fact that Hashem is all-knowing and all-remembering all the time, the fact that Rosh Hashanah is Yom HaZikaron teaches us that in some level, you know, on some level, 
in an incorporeal and anthropomorphic way, Hashem too has what we would otherwise for ourselves refer to as selective memory. Now, this is not to suggest that Hashem is incapable of remembering some things because he has a selective memory, because of course that would be um, antithetical and heretical way to understand Hashem's memory. We forget things. Hashem doesn't forget anything, but at the same time, Hashem can put higher concentration on certain things at will. And he does that on Rosh Hashanah, and if he does that on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem could also choose which things he's going to pay attention to. And I believe that for that reason, that Rosh Hashanah is a day of Hashem's Zikaron, yes, but a day that we try our utmost to appeal to Hashem's quote-unquote selective memory, where we tell Hashem, for example, Zachor Habris, remember the bris, remember our merits, remember our flattering times and our unflattering times, remember those who are waiting for your mercy and don't remember those who take advantage of your mercy, or don't remember the times that we take advantage of your mercy. Remember the merit of the Akedah, remember the merit of these Nashim Tzidkaniyos, and don't pay attention to those times that we were not at our best. How are we Ma'orir such Rachman? So perhaps through the shofar, through our teshuva. But the point is that we appeal not to have not not to suggest that Hashem will forget any of these things, but in a certain sense that we hope that Hashem will overlook them and pay attention to give higher concentration, to have a better selective memory that focuses on the good and the, and the positive and not the bad, not the negative. And I believe that it is because of this particular selective memory, if we can call it that, that we have the inclusion, for example, in the Kriyasa Torah, of things like the story of Yishmael, right? So that Yishmael is driven away on the one hand, and we can look at him as someone who has a future of evil, but Hashem has a selective memory and chooses to look not into the future necessarily, but to, and not even into the past, but to look at him right now and to take him at his merit. And you know, sometimes it's merits of the past that help us, sometimes it's merits of right now, but appealing completely to mercy, right, when, when Hagar cries out, and Hashem is willing to spare Ishmael. Now look at the other side on our Haftarah. We have someone whose name is actually very similar to Ishmael. Ishmael means that Hashem will hear, we have, on the other end, Shmuel, almost all the same letters. Shmuel, which the Navi tells us, um, and why Hannah named him, is that he was Shoel Me'el, he was borrowed from God. And what I think we see in the time that, just like Ishmael's life was threatened, look how, at the end of our Haftarah, before we get to Tefillah's Hannah, how Shmuel's life is at risk, Shmuel's life is threatened. And what do we learn from that? We learn that... You know, with, with Hashem's zechira, how things can sometimes hang in the balance, and we are purely at the mercy of Hashem's quote-unquote memory of what Hashem decides to to hone in on, right? Yishmael um, was not guaranteed that he was going to live until Hashem ultimately decided, right? Um, we learn from the name Shmuel when you are borrowed from Hashem. Right, there are times where if that if that means that you, anything that you have is borrowed, especially your own children. Sometimes, unfortunately, there's a time that you have to give your child back to Hashem, right? To give your child back to Hashem might have more than one meaning, right? Yitzchak, as well, he was someone who was going to be given to Hashem in a certain sense, right? In the, in the Akedah, which will be the laning for the second day, we think about 
you know, the implications. When someone is born and you're like, this child is going to be a child who's going to serve Hashem, right? So the fact that you give your child back to Hashem could have more than one meaning. Are they going to live for Hashem? Are they going to have to die for Hashem? Are they going to be, are there, is their life going to be dedicated to service in the Mikdash? Right? So with Yishmael's life hanging in the balance, that was a question. What's going to happen with this kid? Is his life guaranteed? No, there are no chazakos. And that's exactly how Rabbi Ben Sion Schaefer of the Shmuz, that's how he, how he um, defines the Amim Norayim and our lives hanging in the balance during this time is that there are no chazakos, there are no presumptions, there's no status quo that everything is going to be okay, even though sometimes we lull ourselves into that, 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 that false sense of security. But on the contrary, we are all like Shmuel, we are all borrowed from God, and that means that we have to give it back. Right, so we, we are borrowed, we are, whether it's a lease, whether we are completely just borrowing it, the point is that the contract is up and we have to renew it on our own. Right, so since we are borrowed, we are rented and that lease is up, we have to um, ask ourselves, what are we doing to appeal to Hashem's selective memory that Hashem should remember us for good when Hashem can just as easily and perhaps just as reasonably, or if not more reasonably, remember us for negative? Right, so we want it to be, you know, that's why we say that it should be a ksiva and a chasima for tova, because we want it to be a zechira latov. We want Hashem to remember us for good on Yom HaZikaron. So the question is, um, when we are looking at our lives as borrowed, looking at everything that we have as borrowed, what kind of memories we want now Hashem to look at us, considering all of the above? So that, 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 that I believe, is uh, something of paramount importance. And before we close, I just want to make reference to one more point that I think ties everything together in Tzvilas Chana. Uh, what exactly is um, the inclusion of Tzvilas Chana in our Haftarah for? I think, on the one hand, it brings together Chana's um, you know, acknowledgement of Hashem's selective memory for the good. But I think, more fundamentally, as we said, the Gemara sees this story as tied, and even this tefillah as being tied to the Yom Narayim, I find it very fascinating. If you look in the text of Tefillah Schana, it's very clear that much of this text, or at least very integral parts of this text, are the inspiration for what some of the lines we find in Unasana Tokef. Right? So for example, Hashem Meimisim the fact that Hashem, He's the one that causes death and life. And not only that, but says, Hashem Morish Uma Ashir, Hashem is the one who makes Poor, he's the one who makes rich. Mashpil af meromeim. And the one who is low, he will even raise up. Right? We say, mi shafel umi arum. Right? In Unasanatokia, we say, who's going to be rich this year? Who's going to be poor this year? Who is going to live this year? Who is going to die this year? Who is going to be thrown down and humbled? And who is going to be uplifted and lauded? Right? This is literally out of Tefillah Schana. Uh, and it seems that, again, Unasanatokia, perhaps in many ways was written in response to the Haftarah, but the Haftarah was selected in response to the Gemara, Chazal, who saw the connections. What is Chana acknowledging in her reflection, her memory of that which Hashem has dealt her, the good that Hashem has given her? How does Chana respond? And this can be the positive to Unasana Tokef, the positive to the Yom Nuraim, right? going back to what we've been talking about in our, our new mini-series for Yom Nuraim, well, entitled An Awesome Opportunity, we've been talking about the two aspects of Yamim Narayim. The one hand, Yamim Narayim. On the other hand, Yimei Ratzon, that they are days of awe, they are frightening. 
And on the other hand, they are days of opportunity, days of potential closeness, days of, of goodwill. We find that right here as well. Because you can look at Unas Anatokov and say, that's really scary, it's frightening, because Hashem is talking about who's going to die, who's going to be humbled, who's going to be poor, who's going to be sick. But on the other end, Unas Anatokov also says, who is going to live? Who is going to be rich? Who is going to be lauded? Who is going to be successful? I think that's significant, because the Amunurayim, yes, it's frightening because it can go either way, but the positive, the potential, the opportunity for how good your year can be if Hashem is willing to give you a positive concentration, a selective memory from the good. And Hannah is not looking at the bad and saying, wow, Hashem controls life and death. She is looking at the salvation, the first the birth and then the salvation of her child, and she says, everything is in Hashem's hands. And that has to be our attitude. Sometimes we pay attention to Hashem when things are scary, when things are frightening, when it seems that life is hanging in the balance. But to take a step back when things are good, at the end of your year, when you've made it to Rosh Hashanah, that means you've made it through the year. Look at your year and say, wow, Hashem controls all of life. My successes this year were, were decided on Rosh Hashanah. Hashem is mashpil umromim. He lowers and he raises up. He, he brings death, he brings life. Hashem is the doer of everything. But again, this is uh, this unisanatok of attitude can take on a negative feeling and it can take on a positive one. And in the same way, I believe that is what Yom HaZikaron is all about. It could be about negative memories, Chas v'shalom, or it could be about Hashem giving you a selective memory for Tov. And that is what we hope to appeal to on Rosh Hashanah. And I believe that, uh, that that is really what this Haftarah is all about. Now, we've already unpacked a lot, but there's so much more already to discuss. For the second of the two Haftarahs for the Yom Nareim, or really, I should say, for Rosh Hashanah, so stay tuned for the Haftarah from Yermia about Rachel Menu and Havein Yakir Ephraim. And of course, if you enjoyed this year and others like it on the podcast, you're going to partner up with us with the sponsorship. Or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group where you'll find links to every uploaded Shear and links to Shearm that I repost due to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. And until next time, have a wonderful rest of your week. And while we're at it, a wonderful Shabbos and Rosh Hashanah. Thank you for joining us here at the database.